The Central Epidemic Command Center announced three new imported cases of COVID-19 on Sunday. Two of the cases were co-workers of a female pilot, case number 760, who was confirmed to be infected last week. The CECC says the three cases amount to the first COVID cluster found on an aircraft in Taiwan. Case number 765 is a New Zealand male in his 60s. On December 12th, he travelled with case number 760 to the US and developed coughing symptoms on the plane. The other case, number 766, is a Japanese male in his 20s. On December 12th, he travelled with number 760 to the US. Case number 760 and number 766 were infected by number 765 on board the plane. So this is what we call an incident of aircraft infection. Looking at the recent movements of the New Zealander, who is also a pilot, he flew to the U.S. on November 29th and returned to Taiwan on December 4th. As his special pilot's quarantine period was only three days, he was allowed to roam free from December 8th to 11th. He flew to the U.S. on December 12th. The CECC is now tracing his movements in Taiwan over that three-day period. President Tsai Ing-wen went down to Taidong on Sunday to inaugurate the electrification of the last section of Taiwan's Round the Island Railway, a section known as the South Link Line. Now that the Puyuma Express trains are able to circle the southern part of the island, travel time between Kaohsiung and Taidong has been reduced by half an hour. After the completion of the electrification of the Southlink line, diesel trains will be a thing of the past. The railway was declared open to train traffic on Sunday. President Tsai Ing-wen and Premier Su Zhenchang, accompanied by Minister of Transportation Lin Jialong, boarded a Piyuma Express train from Taidong Station to Taimali Station to experience the historic moment for themselves. This is something we've been anticipating for a long time. Today we are finally able to witness the opening of the electrification of the Southlink line. The last stage of the electrification of Taiwan's Round the Island Railway has finally been connected. With its electrification, all trains can now travel between Taidung and Pingdung, shortening travel time by more than half an hour, and it will be more convenient for people returning to their hometowns. 39 years ago, I ran for provincial councillor for the first time. I was faced with the people in Pingdong who shouted that the government was setting greater store by the northern regions and overlooking the southern regions. Now, 39 years later, with the electrified rail connection of Taidung and Pingdong, a major section in the Round the Island Railway line is now complete. President Tsai, who also happens to be a native of Pingdong, was happy to introduce her beautiful hometown to travellers. This Southlink line starts from Feng Liao and goes by my hometown Feng Gang, which is right next to the Taiwan Strait. Once you go over the mountain, you will see the Pacific Ocean. If you look at the blue colour of the sea, you'll notice the countless rich changes in it. The completion of the electrification of the Round the Island Railway is yet another accomplishment for the Tsai administration. 
With the pandemic raging around the globe, many international sporting events have been canceled. However, the Taipei Marathon is one exception. It went ahead as scheduled early Sunday morning with 28,000 runners taking part, including 12 foreign professional marathoners. Due to COVID, participants were asked to wear a mask before and after their run. However, more than a few runners failed to do so. Taipei Mayor Kerwinger says mask rules need to be better enforced at the upcoming New Year's Eve party in front of City Hall. Despite the pandemic, the Taipei Marathon is still being held this year. In front of City Hall early Sunday morning, runners gathered in a crowd, standing shoulder to shoulder at the starting line. But some wore their masks under their chins, and some didn't even wear them. Kenyan athlete Paul Kipchumba Loyangata came in first in the men's division, shattering the event's record with a time of 2 hours 9 minutes and 18 seconds. The champ, who will take home 1.8 million NT dollars in prize money, never put on a mask, even when he came in close contact with the event's staff. Many runners who socialised in groups after their run didn't put on masks either. It's too difficult. If you're running, how do you breathe with a mask on? When you get to the finish line, you first take a couple of breaths and then slowly put on your mask. Otherwise, you might suffocate. When foreign athletes entered Taiwan, they were each assigned to a quarantine hotel, one person to a room. After the 14-day quarantine, they were certified to have completed their epidemic prevention measures. Sunday's marathon was seen as a dress rehearsal for the upcoming much larger New Year's Eve celebrations in the capital. The 28,000 runners were asked to don masks before starting and after finishing the run, but the implementation still left much to be desired. Mayor Kerwenger reiterated after the marathon that everyone should wear their mask when attending his city's upcoming New Year's Eve celebrations. If you expect to see fighter jets perform a flyby on New Year's Day, you'll be disappointed. Due to frequent incursions by Chinese warplanes, Taiwan's Air Force has decided to cancel the annual aerobatic performances. Local governments in Hualien, Pingdong and Xinzhou have all received notifications from the military that the flybys won't be held this time to avoid stretching Taiwan's air defenses too thin. Five Mirage jets flew across the sky in Xinzhou majestically. That was New Year's Day in 2020, on which Xinzhou, Hualien and Pingdong all held fighter jet flybys to ring in the new year. This won't be happening next year, though. In December alone, there have been 18 incursions by Chinese warplanes, with the latest occurring Sunday. All 18 incursions were repelled after Taiwanese pilots voiced their warnings over the radio, totaling 43 times. The tourism and aviation industries were the first to bear the brunt of the global spread of COVID-19. Tourism Bureau statistics have shown that the number of visitors to Taiwan has declined by 10.5 million this year, dropping down to just 1.4 million. That's an 88% reduction. The decline in production value from tourism is a whopping 370 billion NT. Despite the government's many relief measures, tour operators say the government efforts were hardly of any help. 
with next year's relief measures nowhere to be seen, industry executives have pointed out that many travel agencies already have plans for large-scale layoffs next year. For many, bright lights at night are a sign of progress and civilization. But one man has made it his mission to keep the lights off at Hehuan Mountain. Liu Zhi'an from Jilong is the main force behind a campaign to reduce light pollution on Hehuan Mountain. His efforts paid off last year when the area received certification from the International Dark Sky Association. But Liu's work is far from over. Today, in our Sunday special report, we head up the mountain for some world-class stargazing and to discover what new challenges are ahead. Located in Nanto, 3,000 meters above sea level, is the Hehuan Mountain Chain. The average visitor will only stop here during the day, but after nightfall, Huan Mountain becomes more and more beautiful as the night sets in. The Milky Way hangs high above, a cascade of stars lighting the sky. This boundless starry night sky enraptures those who set eyes upon it. In 2019, the night sky, as viewed from here, gained international recognition, becoming certified by the IDA. Following locations in Asian neighbors Japan and South Korea, it became the third certified night sky in the region. In Asia, dark skies are still a relatively new concept. What the IDA recognizes is not a physical tourist site, but rather the reduction of light sources and the use of smart illumination to limit the effects of light pollution. In Taiwan, Liu was the first person to advocate for the dark sky concept. Prior to retirement, he was an ordinary office worker. With regard to controlling light pollution, the highest standard is a beautiful night sky. That's the highest standard, but it's not the final goal. The point of the whole process is to save energy, reduce emissions, and take care of the natural environment. In the beginning, what drove Leo in striving for international recognition was his passion for stargazing. He was enamored with the area's magnificent night sky. This is a device for measuring the quality of the night sky. We aim it up at the sky and press the button. The measurement is categorized by three levels. Here in Hehuan Mountain, we have a silver level sky. However, sometimes when the conditions are good, we can reach gold level. That is very rare and precious. Stargazing conditions are prime at Hehuan Mountain. This nightscape was so precious to Liu that he was willing to make the journey from Jilong to Nanto every week to carry out conservation work. It was one incident in particular that inspired him to create a sky conservation zone. At the end of 2012, we discovered that in the area around the Yuanfeng parking lot, the Nanto County government had installed an LED-lit information board. Installing intensely bright LEDs in this area will end up affecting the nighttime activity of local wildlife. Originally, there were no lights around here and no light pollution. 
If we didn't do something, if we didn't take action, light pollution would eventually spread along the mountain road, finding its way higher up the mountain. Leo requested that the county remove the information board. He also proposed the establishment of a light-free conservation area, and he applied to the IDA for certification. The IDA responded. It said Hehuan Mountain was blessed with excellent stargazing conditions, but that more work was needed to develop them. It called for concerted planning to restore the night sky to its original splendor. The IDA required that at least 70% of the lights used on the mountain meet its standards. We took the harmful lights and added coverings to them so that the light wouldn't shine up into the sky. But the undertaking was easier said than done. The area Liu wanted to certify was managed by three government agencies the Taroko National Park Office, Dongshi Forest District Office under the Forestry Bureau, and the Nanto County Government. Liu was only a retiree, an outsider. But through the help of a friend, he came in contact with a resident of Hehuan Mountain, the head of a Qingjing local assistance association, Li Tongshou. When we went to visit local officials, especially those working inside the park area, we asked for assistance with improving the lights, but we mostly just got the cold shoulder. Some officials had the mindset that if they didn't get involved, they wouldn't be able to make a mistake. We kept explaining to them, kept telling them that we just wanted to take a look and take some pictures. They would often tell us no because the issue wasn't handed to them by superiors. They would tell us we couldn't just look as we pleased. As they attempted to work with the officials, documents were passed around and days went by without action. Li and Liu decided they might as well spend their own money and deal with the lights on their own. So every week, Liu drove great distances in his own car to modify light installations. We always set up very early, before the sun came up from Jilong, rushing here to get the work done. We stuck a layer of aluminum foil over the top halves of the lights. Over the course of a year, Liu modified 200 lights. But this was not quite enough. The IDA also wanted neighboring communities to be on board. Qingjing Farm is actually only an hour's drive away from the stargazing park. That farm is another well-known international tourist site. We proposed to the IDA that the whole of Renai Township could, over the next several years, undergo a light pollution improvement plan. The IDA thought that it was a very good idea. The IDA conducts its own inspections on certified sites each year. Included as a part of the site, Qingjing and its surroundings would also have to be inspected. This meant that of the 120 hostel operators in Qingjing, at least 30 would need to make improvements to their lighting in the first year. Within five years, 90% of the light sources in Qingjing must be eliminated. Within 10 years, light pollution in all of Renai must be reduced. To meet the IDA's requirements, Liu visited each of Qingjing's hostels one by one. After all of his running around, a consensus was struck on all sides, and the work of reducing light pollution was set in motion. In August last year, Hehuan Mountain was officially certified by the IDA as a dark sky area.
the year since Hehuan gained certification, its light pollution woes haven't gone away. In August, we visited Hehuan Mountain ourselves. Our timing coincided with one of the three major astronomical events of the year, a meteor shower in the Perseus constellation. While we were there, the mountain was host to a non-stop stream of cars. At the Yuanfeng stargazing location, astronomy buffs crowd together on the observation platform to take in the sky. In a sea of black, one man suddenly pulls out a laser pointer and begins waving it around before being told to stop by those around him. There are also drivers who pull over but leave their car running, headlights constantly shining forward. When asked to leave, the drivers continue along to Uling, where a similar scene unfolds. As the main proponent behind Ho Huan's dark sky, Li is deeply pained by the situation. The chaos, the noise, the people barbecuing, those filming, the people shining their headlights, and then there's the people parking where they please or coming and going every which way. When I saw all of this, I was deeply troubled. People didn't behave better after we obtained international certification. Lee is worried because in each year following certification, the IDA will audit the mountain stargazing conditions. There are man-made satellites in orbit, and one of them tests for light pollution on the Earth's surface. The information it gathers is then uploaded to a website. People can go to that site and understand the situation in Taiwan and learn what changes have occurred in terms of the quality of Taiwan's skies for stargazing. The Nanto County government says it's received complaints about the low roadside lights it installed in Hohuan, with visitors saying they are too bright. Officials say they're working on resolving the issue, as well as other new light pollution concerns. With regard to the management of the stargazing location of the Yuanfeng area, the county government is considering having regulations. These include rules of nighttime cooking or camping. The county will also put up signs. We're even assessing the possibility of having personnel stationed there with the night staff going on patrol and issuing warnings and fines. We will also be working with schools, including the elementary and junior high schools in the township. We'll be starting from zero, and we hope to slowly expand the policy throughout the township with an eye toward reducing light pollution. The government hopes to work with people in the community to ensure dark sky protection for the long term. After all, if one day the clouds part and the stars in the sky can no longer be seen, IDA certification won't be the only thing lost.